Hi everyone, this is Dr. Michael Wald and you're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. Today's show I thought I'd do something a little bit different. I've gathered a variety of questions and concerns that patients bring to me and also a few observations that I've made regarding how people tend to, some people that is, tend to go about improving their health. And I believe that these sorts of considerations that we'll be discussing over the next hour or so are fundamental for your wellness Uh, your efforts to stay well, and for some of you, your efforts to get healthy and to stay healthy and improve the quality of your life. First off is I have some patients that come to me wishing to live longer. Now, this isn't exactly a mistake. I mean, most of us probably would want to live longer assuming that they love their lives. But as you might imagine, length of life does not necessarily include quality of life. So I would suggest that for those of you who are thinking in terms of length of life, to think in terms of quality of life in the following way. Quality of life really is that length of our lifespan during which we are in what I call the non-disability stage of life. And the non-disability stage of life is those years, or are those years, that allow us to be relatively carefree in terms of our physical bodies and our mental and emotional well-being so that we can enjoy life to its fullest. So that if we feel like jogging a block or five blocks or running up some stairs or chasing after the grandkids or your children, you can do it. So I invite you to take a look at whether or not you've been focusing on enhancing the length of time that you live within the non-disability stage. Now, what does that translate to in real terms? Well, for me, as a blood detective, it translates into actions I take on a daily basis that are not only short-term. In other words, if I'm going to improve my diet or exercise or reduce my stress levels or take nutritional supplements, whatever it is, whatever our, whatever the tools are uh, that we use to improve our lives, that they are adjusted and, and followed and practiced in such a way that it helps to ensure a greater length of life within the non-disability stage. So I spoke with a woman this morning who said that she has uh, unremitting fatigue and headaches and musculoskeletal joint pains and neuropathies and her lab testing shows autoimmune uh, degeneration and that she only wants to receive intravenous nutrition. And I let her know that intravenous or IV nutrition provides only a handful, possibly a dozen or a little bit more than a dozen different nutrients and is not even close to adequate to maintain daily nutritional intake. So some of you are thinking, well, that's true. She'll, she'll eat 
healthy and then she'll use intravenous nutrition as a sort of a crutch. But when I asked her why she only wanted to use IV nutrition, she said because everything she eats causes a reaction uh, in her stomach. And I suggested to her that a long-term approach, a long-term solution to fixing this problem so that she can get out of this autoimmune cycle is that we begin with a plan that focuses on repairing her intestinal tract, not merely trying to avoid her gut by taking IV nutrition. And as you might imagine, individuals that are scared to take supplements or scared to eat certain foods, they tend to have extremely limited food intakes, which can make them feel better simply because they're eating less, but they're not fixing anything. If you take intravenous nutrition, you may not be fixing anything either. So there are certain oral nutritional supplements, for example, liquid zinc, that helps to very gently coat the intestinal tract, including the small intestine, where 70% of your immune system lives. And that should be quite tolerable. So we have to think of intravenous nutrition as a Band-Aid as well. It alone will almost never fix any health problem. And this advice is coming to you from me, who, Dr. Michael Wald, who wrote a book on intravenous nutrition from A to Z, which is actually the only published book of its type in the United States that outlines the specific nutritional protocols that doctors should be giving patients with various health problems. But I discuss in the book as well that intravenous nutrition is never to be uh, viewed as the be-all and end-all and should be viewed as what it is. It is a Band-Aid at most. Another common mistake that I find patients make is they have convinced themselves that they're taking their nutrition correctly without any real objective and reliable, I'm going to say that again, reliable testing. Saliva hormones are not reliable. Vitamin levels, for the most part, in blood work and mineral levels are not reliable for long-term intake, with few exceptions. The water-soluble nutrients the B-complex, for example, vitamin C, those levels in the blood change every few hours, and the blood levels only are only indicative of the last two to three, possibly four, maybe five days of intake at most. And the vitamins, the water-soluble vitamins, go in and out of tissues into the blood as the cells need them. So at any given time you're measuring the blood, you can never know the body's total storage of a nutrient. When it comes to fat-soluble nutrients like vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K, CoQ10, lipoic acid, uh, omega-3s, those blood levels are a bit more accurate because they're fat-soluble nutrients, so they stay in the body longer. However, as the blood detective and someone who has written a 500-page textbook on laboratory work and who's taught laboratory work throughout the country, who is a consultant to doctors to help them read their patients' laboratory work, and also the developer of a software program called Blood Detective that helps to interpret a person's laboratory work against years and years of data. I can tell you unequivocally that blood levels of nutrients are not the best way in most cases 
to check to check adequate levels. So how would you check adequate levels? Well, many nutrients are best checked in terms of their functional effects. So that means if someone, for example, I had a patient I just saw yesterday who said, Dr. Wald, those, all those white spots I had on my nails, uh, they're gone. And what do they mean? I said, well, for you it meant that you had a zinc deficiency and a protein deficiency. We corrected those deficiencies and those white spots went away. It doesn't matter what the blood tests show for the zinc and the protein, by the way, folks. Except if the blood levels are low, then they should be corrected. So if someone comes to me with low levels of blood tests that are you know, nutritionally, uh, nutritionally related blood tests that are clinically low, I compare those levels to certain signs and symptoms that the, the person that I see might display. So I, I use a health questionnaire that reviews signs and symptoms, physical appearances, like ridges in the nails, like diagonal creases in the ear, like loss of hair in men and women, dry skin, the feeling of cold, um, age spots on the skin, uh, broken blood vessels, skin tags. All of these have specific nutritional indications that can be there, even if blood tests are normal. Uh, I'd also, you might want to listen to the two or three, I think three shows that I did, that you can find under the blog section at my website at um, intmedny.com, intmedny.com, under the blog section, you'll see um, disease in the mirror, or disease that you can see in the mirror, and you can tell a lot of nutritional problems just by how you look. And then once you correct your appearance, you generally have corrected your nutritional imbalances. And I carefully say imbalances because a person may have normal levels of vitamins and minerals, proteins and fats, but they may not have optimal levels. And therefore, you use the signs and symptoms, what people tell me, what I see, questionnaires and lab work and other factors. And putting those all together is how a good blood detective uh, should operate in terms of holistic mindedness and to find problems that are right there if you just know how to look and what questions to ask. I see so many patients who have seen many different uh, practitioners and some of them have just not gone over the basics. And then uh, I often see another issue where a patient takes some nutrients and they're the right ones. They're even the right doses, but they're not using pharmaceutical grade supplements. And um, often people will convince themselves that they are better, maybe because they want to believe that they're better. And if you really look back on a symptom log, I'll have patients write down their symptoms relative to their nutrients that they're taking, their diet that they're consuming. And you can see there's, there's just no evidence that the nutrients are working. But when a person happens to, let's say, not feel well one day and then happens to take their nutrients one day and they happen to feel better coincidentally, they may connect those two. And unless they can show that connection over the course of about 36 days, it is entirely uh, placebo. And placebo is not a bad thing. As I've said on my shows in the past, we just want placebo to, to last because then placebo is more than merely placebo 
in the old terminology of it meaning, you know, some useless uh, convincing that a person uh, uses that something's working. But placebo is or can become your body's ability to really effectively heal something. So another mistake or error that I commonly see people do is they simply take their nutrients wrong. For example, now, and there are exceptions to every rule. So if some of you are my patients and you're wondering why I recommended nutrients to you in a way other than I'm about to describe, that's because I know you. We've talked. I've gone over your questionnaires, our paperwork. We've done some trial and error work. I've looked at your lab tests. But for those of you out there that I do not know, these are some general ways that nutrients can be used wrong. So amino acids and proteins generally should be taken away from food. And the reason is that amino acids and proteins require stomach acid to digest. So if you mix them, if you mix amino acids and proteins with foods, particularly other proteins, but anything, then the digestive juices are just diluted and you will not absorb and activate your nutrients as well or other foods as well. And when you're taking fat-soluble nutrients like vitamin K, A, D, E, lipoic acid, melatonin, omega-3s, these nutrients should be taken with fatty foods, healthy fats, like coconut oils and avocados and olive oil and other forms of healthy fats. And certain nutrients should be taken alone when the practitioner, like me, wants to increase the uh, rapidity or the speed in which the nutrient is absorbed. So in generally speaking, if we want a nutrient to be absorbed more quickly, we would want to take it away from foods except for the fat-soluble nutrients, which we want to take with fatty foods, and that will help them become absorbed much more quickly. Now, when it comes to chronic illness, where people are really suffering... It is, it, it is especially important that they are aware of how and when to take nutrients in the ways that I've just described, but also the timing of nutrients themselves with exercise and sleep. In other words, we want to use to our advantage nutrient timing because when we're dealing with very ill people, they need to absorb as much of the nutrients as possible. And it is pretty much a general rule that a person with chronic illness is malabsorbing. Even if laboratory tests does not show that, the person, in my experience, is generally malabsorbing. So we might want to have them eat differently. For example, practice some concepts of food combining if it's not too inconvenient and it doesn't force the individual to eat less simply because they don't have the opportunity to properly practice the concepts of food combining. So one of the concepts of food combining is not to have fruit basically with any other food, with fat, with protein, and with starch. Fruit will tend to, and the fruit sugar will tend to ferment carbohydrates and cause putrefaction of proteins and fats in the intestinal tract causing the production of a variety of endotoxins. So if you're eating the right foods, that's wonderful. 
But if you want to practice proper food combining, know something about food combining. For those of you who are just joining us, you're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. And we're talking about some general concepts of taking supplements and foods and approaching healthcare in ways that might limit your efforts. So we're talking about ways to improve the length of time that you live in what we call the non-disability stage of life. Feel free to email me for my food combining chart where I've assured its accuracy at info at blooddetective.com. And you can call me too at 914-552-1442. That's 914-552-1442. I'd ask you to reserve the phone calls for those of you who want to schedule with me either for in-person consultations or distance consultations. But email me anytime. Let me know your topics. I also want to make mention that uh, in the first week of November, I'm opening a new uh, facility in Katona, New York, located an hour north of New York City. My current facility is in Mount Kisco, New York. But I'd love to personally invite each and every one of you and your family members and friends to the Somers, I'm sorry, to the Katona opening first week of November. The date will be announced uh, to those of you who listen to the show next time on the show. And also, there'll be a, a limited capacity, of course, so we are going to cap it off at 150. It's going to be a big event in terms of attendance and how many we can accommodate. So please let me know your intention to attend or you wanting to know what date by sending me a message at info at blooddetective.com. You'll see the complete gym facilities uh, so that I can teach those of you I work with how to exercise properly for your health problem. There is no just exercise and you think you know how to exercise. Almost none of you do based on my conversations with you. So we teach that and rehab in the pool and the food education sessions and cooking sessions that will take place in our loving, love, loving, my lovely, I meant to say, kitchen facilities and of course the office itself where we provide hyperbaric therapy, infrared therapy, uh, infrared sauna, and all sorts of other holistic therapies personalized for each person. So let me look at my list here. Let's see what another common issue is that might prevent a person, might prevent you from maximizing your healing response. I mentioned this on the last show, but it, it deserves mentioning again, and that has to do with Feeling that or believing that you're healthy just because you do not have symptoms. I mean, I need to go so far to say as that is a ridiculous notion because my practice is filled with individuals who came to me for preventative care and with very little investigation, there were health problems that were serious health problems that they didn't have symptoms. For example, just within the last three months, Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. This individual had no symptoms. They just came for a wellness visit. Breast cancer, lung cancer, liver cancer, psoriasis, a condition of the skin which is a precursor to lymphoma known as mycosis fungoides. Individuals with urinary tract infections with no symptoms. 60% of people with UTIs have no symptoms, both men and women. People that are anemic, people that have hormonal problems, people that have hypertension, people that have had heart attacks. So uh, autoimmune disease, the list goes on and on. So I'm not trying to convince you that you've got some hidden problems. All I'm trying to say is that 
If you have never had a blood detective workup, or which I mean to describe that as a detailed, health-minded workup, then have one. Because, as common sense might tell you, it is easier to fix problems when they're small ones than when they get big. And also, let's, let's segue from that concept to a related one. Individuals who avoid medicine, traditional medical care at all costs. Of course, I would say to anyone that you never want to take a medication, you never want to go undergo a diagnostic test that exposes you to radiation or radioactive dye or any test that has a risk unless the risks are outweighed by the benefit of the tests or the test information. So that's a question you'd want to ask your, your, your doctor. Will your test, will this test reveal potentially information that will change how you think about me in terms of treatments? And if the answer to that is yes, then you need to decide, well, okay, so the information would change things medically and how I'm managed. But would I avail myself of whatever the prevailing treatment is that would be offered to me? If you're not going to get chemotherapy anyway, or radiation anyway, or surgery anyway, or take the medication, then why do the test? So I'm not telling you not to do tests. In fact, all of this information on these shows that I give is for your education so that you can make better healthcare choices. You should use it as education, and you should always take seriously the advice of any of your practitioners and doctors. But ultimately, you make the choice. Of course you do. But you want to make an informed choice. Too many people that I see avoid medicine and avoid even natural health care because they are um, afraid of the consequences, afraid of finding out what might be there. I understand that. I do. I've been sick with multiple sclerosis. Many of you who listen to the show know that. But I want to know what is available for my condition in every field. Even if I don't use it, I've always used just natural therapies for my multiple sclerosis personally. But by, by opening myself up and eliminating any bias I might have towards learning about what is available in any field of healthcare for my patients, I simply bring more to the table. A mistake that I find in alternative healthcare, and again, this is a generalization, but this is, this is largely true in my 28 years of experience, is that many practitioners try to convince their patients, the natural practitioners, that everything in medicine is evil and wrong. That is a ridiculous, harmful, irresponsible thing. I have then met with individuals who were told this and who started to believe this, that I offered various types of care to in terms of education, got them to where they needed to go if I didn't provide that therapy, and they would say to me something like, Dr. Wald, I can't believe I wasted 10 years, 20 years, 30 years with discomfort when a combination of this medical treatment and nutrition to offset the side effects were always available to me. And another roadblock to individuals, in my experience, that prevents them from reaching a level of health that uh, is just within reach is that of discontinuing too soon. So I realize more and more every day 
that where my brain lives is a very strange place. Here's what I mean. You know, when a person is sitting in front of me and we're talking about their health, they may have a condition, let's say, of their guts, their gastrointestinal tract, or maybe it's their cardiovascular health or their hormonal health. And I immediately have a concept of how long it might take to manage their health problem. And they also do as well. But sometimes I forget to ask them, uh, you know, what, what are your expectations in terms of how long you think this might take? Sometimes I've asked that question and the answer I've received is, oh, well, um, a few months or I don't know. I suppose it's different, people will say to me, for every person. So six months? And I say to that individual the truth. I've had people with your autoimmune disease, with your cardiovascular problem, with your hormonal imbalances, with your inflammatory conditions, with your malabsorption syndrome, with your leaky gut problem, with your mental emotional issues. And it's taken six months around that. And for other people, it's taken a year or even two years. Sometimes it takes a few weeks. And, and there are times that I am just astounded. For example, I had a patient who came to me about a month ago with a neurologic problem known as Bell's palsy, and his face was drooping. His brother uh, dragged him in the office, and within the first minute or so, th there was a very strong energy in the room of foreboding and how this guy clearly did not want to be there with me. His brother had talked to me to coming. When that happens, it almost never works. My health efforts almost never work when the individual does not want them to work. So if you visit a healthcare provider and you're ready to go and you're on board and open-minded, then come to me or go to someone like me. But if you are not open-minded to this approach, maybe you're listening to this show uh, simply because someone told you to and you're just wondering what we're talking about and you're just not into it, gather more information, educate yourself, talk to people who've been to healthcare providers that focus in the natural field so that you can develop some comfort. Now, two weeks ago, I had another individual with facial pain that came to me. He's had this pain for years. For years, he said to me, how long, Dr. Wall, do you think it's going to take for me to get out of pain? I said to him, I, I don't know. You've been in pain for years. I'm going to do my very best to get you out of pain as soon as possible. So I worked him up with some lab tests. No, actually, I, I'm, I'm mistaken. I did not do any tests with him. I used my best clinical judgment because money was an issue, and I can guess pretty well. And I put him on the right supplements. We talked about food. We talked about stressors. He calls me two days later. Maybe it was three days later. He says, Dr. Walt, I have not had any facial pain since we spoke. It is completely gone, and I would have had pain, and I've had constant pain all this time. It, it's working that fast. And I said, oh my goodness, wow. So I am continually amazed, again, throughout the 28 years or so that I've been doing this, and my father before me for 30 years plus doing this type of healthcare as a doctor, and seeing all of his patients, well, a lot of his patients getting well in, in record time, I just never know for sure how long it would take. So the reason for this part of this conversation is that I would suggest that you be open-minded to allowing the appropriate healing time. A lot of people quit short.
And some of those people, when they just quit, maybe it's two weeks, three weeks, a month, and they just quit and they stop coming in. And I call them up, I email them. Until they tell me to get lost, I'm not giving up on anyone. And quite honestly, if you ever become a patient of mine yourself, I would ask you to promise that you always communicate with me any concerns that you have, no matter what they are, about your health, some misunderstanding, maybe education, maybe I promised to get you something, it didn't get you for some reason, let me know. I, I always want to fix things. But we can't resolve anything unless we have proper communication. This is why I make a promise to those that I work with that they have they have 24-7 hour access to me by texting, by phone, and by email. That is how you get health done. You don't get it done by not communicating. You do not get done by getting frustrated, discontinuing care abruptly with your healthcare provider, and getting angry at your healthcare provider because you didn't get results in some period of time that you thought you might you should have. Many people don't realize that they do that and they project onto their healthcare provider that they are the problem and they, they get angry. Even though those practitioners, I can't speak for other practitioners, I can only speak for myself, that I've done everything that I can to communicate that I am available to help you get better as soon as possible so that you can live longer in the non-disability stage of life. Another common, um, I would call it a missing, in uh, getting well for some people is, the, uh, is that of reducing stress, which I know sounds common sense probably to every one of us. We know this. But I spoke with a woman a few days ago who had um, quite a lot of health problems going on. She had Hashimoto's thyroiditis. She had colitis which is another autoimmune problem, migraines, which is another autoimmune problem, and achiness and uh, inflammation in her joints, worsening vision, and, and loads of other symptoms. And I was talking about what I would do with her in terms of um, the, the areas that we would focus on, which include food intake or diet, nutritional supplements, sleep hygiene, you know, uh, daily living practices, reduction of stress. And she says, that sounds great, of course. And then I asked her to describe her work environment. And then she started to reveal to me that she is under um, tremendous pressure at work. She is a, um, a doctor of chiropractic and she sees uh, 30 or so people a day. That's a lot of people. And um, she did not seem particularly willing to change her schedule uh, by seeing fewer patients. And I tried to explain to her that the stress and the stress hormones and the physiologic responses that are engaged when a person is under that much stress, they are not only triggers of autoimmune problems and, and, and uh, worsening of autoimmune disease, but that level of stress will almost certainly shorten her life. Or, if it doesn't shorten her life, she will be living longer. But she'll be living longer in the disability stage of life, not where we want to be, in the non-disability stage of life. 
if a person cannot or is unwilling to change the structure of their work environment, like this doctor and seeing these number of patients, we then had a conversation about who she would need to be to bring joy into work so that she can handle her work but have joy. And that, of course, was a much longer conversation and will turn into several conversations. And then I commonly will discuss with people different coping mechanisms and also how to internalize external events in the world in a way that motivates your body's healing response as opposed to motivating your, the body's degenerative response. And going beyond just lip service and words to the importance of reducing stress, but actually doing it. And then using stress questionnaires to make sure that stressors are being reduced in a measurable way so that the body has a chance to, to move forward and heal itself. And by the way, for those of you might, who might hear some sounds in the background of the show, uh, you know, some of my patients say to me, Dr. Wald, I, I'm sure you never relax. Uh, how many hours of sleep do you get? And they're surprised to hear that I get anywhere between six and seven hours of sleep every night. I sleep like a baby. And that at, the, at this very moment, I am sitting... Uh, next to a pool, I just swam some laps. Before that, I was in my gym, my office gym, and I worked out for an hour. This morning, I made delicious homemade gluten-free waffles with hot berries dripped on top, and I had organic coffee with coconut half-and-half half creamer. Yummy. <laughs> I'm having a good time. So tomorrow when I go into work, I bring that into work with me. And work for me is a joy. Yes, there are, there are times, even most of the time, I'm dealing with people that are um, really hurting. But I've realized that if I bring my best to the table, if I take care of myself, if I practice what I preach then the probability of me helping someone is better. Because I take care of myself, I juice every day, I'm a vegan, these are things that work for me. I'm a runner. You know, I just, I love it. Um, if I can enjoy life and store up that, that healing energy, that's energy that I can use to work hard for the people that come to me. The difference, I believe, between a practitioner who is good and a practitioner who is excellent and exceptional is the perseverance and the drive and the energy of that practitioner. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, wouldn't those qualities be something you would want in a practitioner? And I'll, I will confide something into, uh, I want to confide something to you, the audience. This word perseverance means a lot to me. Uh, I mentioned that my father, uh, Dr. George uh, J. Wald, he was a doctor of chiropractic and a very, very talented nutritionist. I was fascinated with what he did as a kid, even a little kid. I'd come to his office. I just wanted to be around him. I, I wanted to hear the patients telling me how great my dad was and how they got, he got him, them better. And then um, I would express interest in what my dad was doing and he would give me books and I would draw pictures of the of the spine and body parts because I was an artist 
and uh, he would give me books to read and nutritional texts to read and some of the things I didn't understand. And I would say, this is so hard. This is so hard. And I, even in my teenage years, and he would say, just persevere, persevere. And he would say to me, it is, it's what's in here and here that counts. And he would point to his heart and his brain. He'd say, it's what is in here, your heart, and here your brain that counts. And persevere, he would say it. So I, I was reflecting on my life at some point last year, and something hit me like a, you know, like a brick. And it was that if, if I do anything, I, I persevere. I, I've always been that way. And I didn't realize that that was something I got from my dad. I just... It's just who I am. So when practitioners say to me, Dr. Will, how, did, how can you have written 10 books in a year? How did you write a software program? How have you done all this work? How do you lecture all over the country? Easy. When you love what you do, it's not work. You know what I'm saying, folks? So another limitation to you reaching and staying in the the non-disability stage of life, that's where you want to be, where you can live life. You must love your life and do not tolerate not loving your life. If there's something or someone in your life that's getting you down, approach that with love and with the mindset of how could I alter myself and the situation so that my life steers me towards loving my life for me for me recently it was moving I, I wanted to move I wanted to have an office in my home so that I could provide 24-7 care for people what if someone doesn't feel one well in the middle of the night what if they want to see me after hours I don't have any after hours anymore I am available to people that I work with so I needed to move and I needed to have a larger place with a space for an office and I wanted the pool for rehab of patients and I wanted the gym to show people exactly how to work out and I wanted to show them how to cook and how to shop. So that's how I made those changes. When I originally had the idea of doing this, it was not a possibility. I just didn't have the means. But I kept thinking of ways to make it happen and it did. And it did. Another, um, another factor that um, plays heavily upon a person's ability to improve their health in the quickest period of time and correctly is by doing improper Google searches. I encourage uh, everyone who works with me to educate themselves, of course. And I specifically ask them to forward to me whatever information on the internet they might be reading that they're using for an education source or their own research because there's simply a lot of wrong information on there. When it comes to personalized healthcare, I would venture to say that practically all of the information is wrong because it's not based on the individual's needs, which um, which plays into another limiting factor too to live longer during the non-disability stage of life is uh, learning something on the web that seemed to help you, but in the short term. 
and then people keep trying it and trying it again. They, maybe they change it around a little bit, and they think it's helping, and they're not quite sure. And before you blink an eye, it's, f- it's five years later. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Time does fly. So I invite people to show me their research because the research and information needs to match your needs beyond just the most superficial symptoms. So a person, this happens a lot, will say to me, Dr. Wald, uh, you know, I've got chronic fatigue and I heard that my iron anemia may do that. And I say, yes, except you don't have iron anemia. They said, well, I used to. I'm like, well, that's not now. That was five years ago, so that is not likely a factor here. So most of you can get what I'm saying here, but people make mistakes like that on that level of um, misunderstanding the first level of misunderstanding, and they waste a lot of time. Um, and then they uh, draw the conclusion that uh, natural health doesn't work or that – yeah, that's, that's really what I mean to say, that, that natural health doesn't work. They will globalize that simply because they did it wrong. What makes it worse is that I've seen other practitioners do things wrong. And then um, the patient concludes, well, this stuff can't, can't work, doesn't work. Now, am I saying that I never make a mistake? Of course not. But I put together m- uh, mindful and very thoughtful protocols. Not everything will work on everyone. But I like the approach of being organized. So I saw a patient uh, a few days ago, and she was very distraught. She had been to a big holistic medical center close to uh, my office, and they had just mismanaged her nutritional supports for her thyroid. Now, why why did I say that? Well, number one, she was protein deficient, and they never even noticed that. And you need proteins to extract the amino acid tyrosine so that tyrosine is used to combine with iodine to make thyroid hormone. So that's not my opinion. That's just the way it is. And they missed it. They had her on large amounts of iodine. Sure, some people may need iodine for their thyroid problems, but not most people. You want to have low levels uh, for need. And taking too much iodine can actually cause thyroid disease. And then this woman was on copper, an enormous amount of copper. Yes, it's true. Copper is required for thyroid function. But the amount that she was on was was near toxic. I had another woman in with breast cancer, and I've told this story before, I'll be brief, where she was not on melatonin, which we know reduces aggressiveness of breast cancer cells. She was not on resveratrol. That is a compound that is toxic to tumor formation in a variety of cancers. She was not on modified citrus pectin, which reduces the, the propensity for metastatic spread. So sometimes I've said to a patient what I've just told you, and I said, you know, this protocol is just not thorough enough. It's missing this, it's missing that. And then sometimes a patient will say, well, isn't that a matter of opinion? And then I open up the National Library of Medicine database, 3,000, I'm sorry, 3 million articles, 3 million articles that go back from 1966 to the present. 
and I just pull up the studies. And then I say, well, they used a rat in this study, but if you extrapolate the rat dose of melatonin for your lung cancer or your breast cancer or your brain cancer, it's 12 milligrams. And the study used three milligrams. You're only on three milligrams. But then I say, yes, if we do the math and extrapolate a rat dose to a human dose, you need this dose. But your your lean body mass says you need a further adjusted dose. And if you have malabsorption, your dose must be adjusted yet again to make it perfectly right. Does that make sense? So these aren't opinions of mine. These are simply ways in which one can correctly do nutrition so that they don't quit because it doesn't work. Another important factor that goes into how people get stopped from moving forward so that they can improve the quality of their life and live longer during that high quality period is they're not consistent with their supplementation. They're not consistent with their dietary changes. They're not consistent with their stress reduction efforts and they're not consistent with their exercise. Now, when it comes to supplements, I suggest to patients something simple. If you have a smartphone, you have a calendar, have the calendar go off a couple of times reminding you to take your supplements. Put your supplements in a pill container all separated out. Keep one of those pill, pill containers at home. Keep one in uh, on your person. And uh, I even keep it in my office or a place at work or, or in the gym if you have a locker. In other words, you want to set your life up for success. There, there should be no excuse for you not to be able to handle that. So that's one way. You can also invite other people in your life to remind you and say, hey, you told me to tell you when you didn't take your nutrients, so take them. Or you told me to tell you when you're eating ice cream that you shouldn't be doing that, so have a smoothie instead. So you can enlist people in your life to help you, to help them keep you accountable. Now, what I do, I shouldn't be telling you all this, but I'm going to tell you this little secret I have anyway. You ready? Okay. So when I am working on a protocol for a person, I very, very uh, carefully consider their individual needs. And I'm always recommending the minimum dietary changes, the minimum uh, best exercise changes, and the minimum amount of supplements they need to maximize their health. Now, on top of that, I mix in a certain amount of human error, of being human into that. So I adjust the nutritional supplements a certain way. I adjust the dietary suggestions a certain way. So if a person messes up 25% of the time, they're still likely going to get 100% of the potential from what I am uh, recommending to them. So that that little secret I reveal to you uh, usually makes people feel a lot better. I mean, every day people say to me, you know, Dr. Wald, they'll say, I, you know, I really messed up on my nutrients. It's, you know, I'm only doing it like two times a week. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe it's only once a day. And I acknowledge, first of all, the fact that that's pretty awesome because that's more effort than they've made in a long time. It may not be the best effort that they can make eventually, but they're going to move forward that way. I mean, anything that we do that's better than what you're doing now is pretty great. It's pretty great. The other factor that is, this is a big one, that really limits people from getting to where they need to go in terms of health is that 
when they do make mistakes, when they're not exercising regularly, when they're not eating right, when they do not take their supplements properly, when they're not managing their stress, they don't share it with their healthcare provider. So when I've sat down with certain individuals and I said, well, why didn't you talk to your healthcare provider about this? And they said, well, they're not available. Or I'd have to go in for every communication to, to talk with them. Or I was embarrassed. So I let them know I'm available 24-7. I want to know when things aren't working out so we can figure out a way to make it work. My work is useless. All the individualized attention and expertise, the 20 years of experience that I bring to the table is worthless unless I can figure out a way that you can make it work in your life and get results. That is the challenge, but it can happen. It can happen. So, but you have to work with someone who, you, you must have accessibility to them. Otherwise, things don't get discussed. When a patient sits with me and says, you know, Dr. Wald, I, I stopped taking your nutrients a month ago. I said, why, why'd you do that? Well, you know, I had some intolerance. I was getting heartburn. And so I stopped. I said, well, okay. So you did the right thing to stop. Although uh, it would have been a great idea to contact me because then we could have um, looked at the situation and figured things out a month earlier. So promise me as we move forward, you're going to communicate with me because I'm here for you. I work for you. <laughs> and then they laugh because it's funny, but it's true. I, I am a servant of others and I, I love to serve. Another very important um, thing that gets in the way of people getting to the level of health that they want is that they do not keep a record of the tests and uh, notes and the, and the results of evaluations that they've had previously. I always want to see as much as I can. You want to keep your records so that the next healthcare provider if there is a next one that you see, other than the one you're seeing now, is aware of what happened. The first thing that I do is I say, okay, let's look at these tests and let's see if there's any, anything in them, any meat that can really help us move you forward. And they'll say, well, everything was tried. I know all the results. I look through it and inevitably, folks, the first thing I say or the second thing they haven't heard of right in their own labs I spoke to a gentleman yesterday. He said, yeah, I went to my um, my doctor. He did the lab work and we went over it, but it only took a minute because everything is perfect. I said, okay, let's look at it. I said, well, did he tell you that your red blood cells were too large? Your, your MCV here, your mean corpuscular volume is elevated. So that means that the reason why your B12 level is high is not because you don't need B12. In fact, you do. It's too high because it's not getting in the red blood cell. So your red blood cell is getting big and your B12 level is getting high. He says, so what do I do? I say, take a different kind of B12. That'll push the B12 into your red blood cell. The red blood cell will shrink and you'll get better oxygen. And he says, well, yeah, he told me that I should just stop my B12, but it, you know, that's it. I said, well, you have large red blood cells and you have an elevated B12 and you have years of fatigue. So that's not exactly right what you were told. And he had dehydration on the blood work. The doctor mentioned, did not mention that. He had many abnormalities on the lab test that were on the, the just barely normal on the high and low side that when you put them together, it really pointed to a certain uh, condition 
that uh, he he didn't have the diagnosis for yet, but he was like 80% there. But regular doctors don't care about 80% there. They only know that you have a disease or you don't. For some reason, and with respect to the physicians listening and those that I've lectured to, invited you to listen to the show, you know what I mean. The medical education is very black and white. The health aspect is just accepted. And then the disease aspect is where you focus, but the dis-ease part, everything in the middle, which, is mo- which are most, most health problems, the regular practitioners just don't understand what to do with that. It's very odd. And I've said to a few practitioners, I said, do you seriously think that a person just wakes up one day with diabetes and heart disease and arthritis and, and cancer or any symptom, it just happens one day? I know it seems it happens one day suddenly or gradually, but there's a process underneath. You know, I was recently in Alaska um, on my honeymoon and I was uh, looking at these icebergs. Uh, there were hundreds of icebergs in the water and I noticed that the, what they say is true. The tip of the iceberg is just the tip. I could see the massive amounts of ice under the water uh, that were m- many, many times larger than the tip. That's really how health and disease happen. What you see on the surface, those symptoms, they're just the tip of the iceberg. The good part about acknowledging that is we can look deep under the surface. We can be our own personal blood detectives and search for, find, and fix those issues in natural ways. For those of you who are wondering, wow, this is a great show. (laughs) You better be thinking that. I want you to send me your show ideas to info at blooddetective.com. If you want to work with me, you can call me at 914-552-1442. Listen to lots of my other shows. Watch my videos on my website at intmedny.com. I do distance consults. I do face-to-face consults, that sort of thing. So let me give you a couple more ways in which you can get out of your own way and you can get healthy. When possible, folks, whenever possible, you want to engage whoever you live with, your loved one, your wife, brother, sister, whatever. You want to engage people you're living with uh, in, the, in healthy habits because if you're surrounded by people who are healthy or who are making efforts to lose weight, to uh, clean up their skin, uh, efforts to deal with their hair loss, whatever the problem is, if you have support around you, you will clearly have a better chance of success. But oftentimes you cannot control that. You're around people who just don't understand this stuff. Am I right? Oh my goodness. I get emails from you people telling me, you know, my, my husband doesn't believe in this. Uh, he thinks it's ridiculous. His doctor told him it doesn't work. <laughs> you like my uh, imitation there? Um, you know, what can I do? What can I say about that? You, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And that is a true statement. No truer statement probably has ever been has ever been said. So I try to produce results with people so results speak for themselves. That results speak for themselves. When a person sees another person drop 30, 40, 50, 100 pounds, they're convinced. All of a sudden, they don't care what their doctor said. They just want results. 
Also, usually I find that if you're wanting to change your environment to, you know, convert people that you're that you're in close quarters with to support what you're doing, because you know when they don't support it, it's a drag. It's a drag on you. It's a stress, right? Trying to take care of yourself and someone saying, "Oh, what are you drinking? Oh, what are you eating?" <laughs> you see, I can I could I can make all those voices because I've heard it all before my whole life. What's interesting is that I'm in phenomenal health condition right now. And all those people that they actually made fun of me like like children in a, you know, in a playground, they're all sick or obese or hurting. And I, I don't get any gratification out of that fact. In fact, it makes me very sad. But they never, they just didn't want to change. And, uh, and, and even though they could see it in, in someone else. So just because someone can see it doesn't mean they'll change. But often they might. I remind my patients to read healthy books, to watch videos and listen to the shows like this. And others in, in your home, for example, at work that are listening to this, you know, they, they might start to change their thinking. Especially if it's around enough. And then one day they're just different. And... Um, Change sometimes is gradual, um, and but if that person likes you or that person loves you, you'll probably get to a point where they will start to open up to these new ways of thinking. And, f- and finally, I just want to say that you can do it. You can get there. You can get to that level of health that you want. You need to believe in yourself. You need to visualize who you would be how healthy you would be, visualize yourself doing those movements, those exercises, uh, participating in daily life the way that you want. And we know too, if you visualize that perspective as if you are looking out of your own eyes, not looking at yourself outside of yourself, but if you visualize your life and your health from within your own head, that that is more effective for convincing your brain that it's actually happening. And as you keep reinforcing those patterns of health and and vitality and success in terms of health, your nervous system takes on a different structure. It starts to work differently. Your chemistry starts to change. So those are some of the most fundamental things that you must have to increase the receptivity of your body, of your psyche, of your consciousness to the the level of health that is possible for you and that you deserve. I want to thank everyone for joining me today. My name is Dr. Michael Wald. You're listening to Ask the Blood Detective. Please join me for future shows. They're all good because they're all coming from you. They're even great. My number is 914-552-1442. I'm happy to work with you. And you should check out my websites and the blog. And also just search my website for any topic. Lots of content there at intmedny.com. Take care, everyone. Show. Sure.